0: And I can see the ground now. I'm Wait too, too gone. All right, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive. Democracy is in the air, and so is my national tour. If I could ever so briefly promo it Perth, June 17, Adelaide, June 18, Canberra, June 19. Come along. You can access those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio, okay? I don't have a real website, but I do have a real tour, and I think that counts for something. So those shows are starting to fill up. Would love to see you there. Come along. Beers after, guaranteed, and should be sick. So yeah, Perth, Adelaide, Canberra, June 17 through 19, tickets via my Instagram bio, dude. Hope to see you there. But anyway, what a week it has been for this nation. People are out there exercising their freedoms. Democracy is in the air. What a vibe out on the streets on Saturday. I was just going around just tongue-kissing strangers, you know, because that was – we weren't individuals on Saturday. We were one nation. Well, I guess we weren't one nation because they didn't get in, but, you know, we were (laughs) – there was a vibe in the air – That something great was happening and I loved it I love voting day because if someone pisses you off you know you can't get a park everyone's everywhere it's just chaos but you know everyone's there because they have to be you know so if some guy cuts you off you think well this this poor son of a bitch doesn't even want to be outside of the house on a Saturday at 10 a.m. but he's out here participating in a little bit of democracy which I think we can all agree is outstanding but Dude, has it always been this weird to vote? Like, because you've got your two pieces of paper, you've got to fill in. The green piece of paper, you nominate one to seven, very easy, okay? I smashed that green piece of paper. I taught that green piece of paper a lesson, okay? I numbered it one to seven, and then I wrote on the back, I'm not afraid to freaking throw eight through 12 on here as well if you don't watch yourself, okay? So that was fine. The white piece of paper, I don't even know what was going on there. Okay, it's about 74 meters long. By the time I looked through all of the political parties to get to the very end, I forgot which ones at the start I had already decided to number. So I was going up and down. I was running up and down this piece of paper like it was a fucking, the fresh food aisle at Woolies or something. I've never seen, I don't know what printer they've got putting out this A4. It's like an A4 piece of paper landscape if it just never stopped. It's like the printer forgot to cut. I've never seen a piece of paper with this much length to it in the wild, okay? And here I am trying to number one to 12. Luckily for me, there's only about 73 options. So, you know, it was stressful. But dude, some of these political parties, (laughs) some of the political parties It's like, is this a political party or is this just an interest you have? Because, you know, I enjoy fishing and shooting as much as the next man, okay? How do you think I spend my weekends? But is it something we need to really put in the ground as as the forefront of our political movement? You know, some of these parties, it's like, I'm sorry, did you do this as a dare? I swear I saw like the Billy Darcy is a nerd party at one point. Like they're just making shit up at this point. You know, it's just, (laughs) I feel like it kind of takes away from the actual parties because I mean, really like you you just don't, you don't need to have a political party for absolutely everything. Some of the names were so specific. They were like, you know, you get a free drink on Wednesdays at the Townsville hotel political party. And it's like, This is definitely a cause close to your heart. Is it something the nation needs to have their attention brought to? Because for me, it doesn't feel like it. Okay? You know, I enjoy blazing it with Macaron and having a few beers, but we didn't run for Senate, did we? Okay? So I felt some of the political parties were stealing a bit of thunder from the real ones. I feel like you had Labor, Liberal, Greens... Then you had about seventy-four blokes who loved to go camping. Then you had the the marijuana party blaze at twenty-four-seven. You know I numbered them quite highly, and and then you just sort of had four to five racist ones, and then and that was it. But I think we could form up the parties a bit. I mean I saw a lot of people with shared interests. You know we got Baz's camping and fishing party, and then we got Tomo's. You know fishing camping and boating party it's like boys come together align yourselves okay because this just seems we're going to save a whole fucking forest on these white pieces of paper if some of you guys put your hands up and admit these aren't real parties okay i shudder to think at how many how many beautiful native trees went down so we could have an extra few boxes on that piece of paper just so we could have pete's arts and craft political party you know seems a bit unnecessary really but anyway good stuff good stuff you know scomo lost which i guess we all saw coming i got to say i'm not a fan of uh, you know the liberals as it is but i got to say they seem to they took a lot of losses on the chin i got to say i saw some i saw some men absolutely get their comeuppance on the weekend and handle it pretty well you know imagine like you lose in front of the whole nation And some of these liberals were getting taken down by independents, you know. You've got a whole political party behind you. And, you know, Sophie from around the corner, who used to run the tuck shop, has just taken your electorate. Okay? So, you know, there was... I I was pretty impressed with how people took it. It's a great mark on this nation how well our politicians take an L. You know, in America, the full vote is counted. Everything is 100% final. And Donald Trump and the boys are still blowing up as if numbers aren't objective. You know, people are storming the Capitol like uh, you can sort of debate statistics, which is simply not the case. Okay, numbers are not subjective. Can you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine if like all these liberal voters just stormed the White House because they lost and just started, you know, taking a shit in the Senate or whatever those white fellas did over in the States? You know, I'm glad we're as a nation we can just sort of go, yeah, this guy won, this guy lost, and let's just move on. We had, we had, there was uh, liberal MPs who were admitting they lost and congratulating their opponent with only like a third of the vote counted. So there's still two thirds to go, plus postal votes, and people are going, yeah, look, uh, uh, you know, not all the votes are in, but it doesn't take a genius to work out where this is headed. I'd like to congratulate Pete's Arts and Crafts Party for taking my seat, you know. I thought the whole thing was pretty good. I thought everyone took their L's well. I would love to see someone handle it poorly. If I'm ScoMo or if I'm, you know, I'm a Prime Minister, once you lose Prime Minister, you hand over the party to the next guy, you know, you, you, you look around the room You find the next 65-year-old bloke with a suspect hairline and a questionable attitude towards immigrants, and you hand over the reins like a gentleman, okay? But if I'm ScoMo, you're never going to be Prime Minister again. You know, it's a one-time gig. If I'm ScoMo, God, I just want to see one guy just take it poorly, you know? I'd be freaking, I'd be lighting the biggest joint in the freaking in the lodge, the Prime Minister's house, and I'd be like, Well, this is bullshit, okay? And I'd just go nuts. I'd be like, Yeah, I'll you know, I'd just start trashing the other guy. I'd say, Yeah, whatever I lost, but my lease ends in ten days, you know. See you in court if you think I'm leaving this place before then. And then we'd just just, you know, more or less not destroy the place, but you know, just sort of live in it disrespectfully for the next few days, you know, just carry on a bit. You know, I'm talking, I'm talking shoes inside. uh, I'm talking smoking cigarettes in non-ventilated areas, you know, and just get weird. God, how good would it be? I was thinking about this. How good would it be if you were the prime minister? Okay. But then you lost because I, I was just thinking this has got to be the biggest tools down energy on the planet. Imagine you've just been Prime Minister for, what, five years or whatever he was. I can't keep up because they keep changing it within their own party, which I don't think is particularly fair. But let's say you've just been Prime Minister for, for six years or what have you, and you, you lose. You lose to freaking Albanese and the lads. Everyone saw it coming, so you're not even surprised, you know. And you're just thinking, I'm done. Scott Morrison is never going to work harder in his life than he has in the previous decade can you imagine that dude if i i finished when i was working full-time i would finish one week of moderate office work and i'd be doing like 170 k's an hour back to the lad pad ravenous for the session just the tools down energy was too much for me imagine you're like 50 and i go bill you're done with that job forever and it, you are just cruising into neutral from here. You are never going to work harder than you've just worked in your life. God, the home straight. How good would... I'd be going absolutely nuts, dude. God, I would love to... I would never want to be Prime Minister, but I'd love to be a former Prime Minister. or a, I'd love to be a former anything. No one has a better life than someone who did something fucking sick... 20 years ago that's why retired athletes are just so chill if you were like a, an Australian cricket superstar in like the early 2000s let's say you're Glenn McGrath for the rest of Glenn McGrath's life he never has to bowl a ball again and people pretty much every day are going to come up to him and be like dude how sick was that thing you did ages ago and you can be like I know and I never have to do it again God, that's what I want. I just want that one big thing. I want to like play the SCG sold out to 100,000 people and then just know that it's never going to be better. I want that tipping point of knowing that, yeah, the tools are down. God, there'd be nothing better, I think. But anyway, speaking of the tools, I was fucking on them last week in a big way. So how's this? So had my Sydney Comedy Festival shows... Last Thursday and Friday night, thanks to everyone who came, looking at doing another one June 24, I apologize for the slow nature of my administration skills, okay? So, firstly, Wednesday night, I'm, uh, I'm out there doing a bit of comedy, running the material, getting ready, you know? I would argue, I don't know who had a bigger week last week, Anthony Albanese or Billy Darcy, because let me tell you, we both had stuff to do. Okay, so I'm running the joke. So I've closed this night in Chippendale, okay? And all I want to do is just run this material and get off, okay? I just had a couple of lines I wasn't sure about. just want to do the gear, go home. No parlo glass. you know what I mean? No fuss. So what happens is I just go up there and get pretty like just relentlessly heckled for the best part of 20 minutes. I was supposed to do 10 But, you know, when you you start riffing and raffing, you lose track of time. So I'm just getting heckled by this guy, like just yelling shit out relentlessly. And then, you know, it's sort of all a bit of hiss, hoss. There's a clip of it on Instagram, actually, if you want to check it out. I ended up aligning myself with the biggest bloke in the room, this Lebanese bloke, and then just basically threatening these guys for the next five or so minutes. So it wasn't the most productive set I've ever had in my life and you know but it was pretty fun or whatever i don't really care i don't mind getting in a bit of a scrap as it were anyway so i come off and this is every person that heckles you has to come up to you after the show just know that if you've ever heckled a comedian and interrupted their material they don't want to be boys i don't want to fucking have a beer with you after the show you know you ruined what i was trying to do you piece of shit so of course these guys come up to me they go sorry about that mate it's just that we can't back down because we're actually trained MMA fighters. And he this guy shows me like a picture of him in like MMA gear training or something. He goes, "Sorry mate, yeah, so sorry we're a bit rowdy mate. We're actually trained uh, not UFC but MMA fighters." And it was kind of like a veiled threat being like, "Yeah, you just watch out mate because we know mixed martial arts." And let me tell you guys, if you're going to fucking threaten someone, with your mixed martial arts prowess. Don't do it at a gig where I'm not getting paid, okay? There's many things I'll do in this world, but I'm not getting fucking put in a rear naked choke at a pub on a Wednesday night for free, okay? If you want to assassinate me, you come to the Sydney Comedy Festival like everyone else and you you put your money in my back pocket first. So I literally go, oh, cool, you guys do MMA. He goes, yeah, dude, yeah, we're pretty, yeah, we do it. And he's like looking at me, and I go, all right, dude, cool. I literally just put my hand up. I go, I go, I can't even deal with this, mate. Okay. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get knocked out at a suburban pub for an unpaid spot, you piece of shit. Okay. So that was my preparation for the big shows. Coming in hot. I come in so late to my sound check on Thursday. Luckily, uh, I don't really need a sound check. I don't have any sound cues or whatever. The only reason I went to soundcheck was to tell the guy to play the theme for the Blue Water High television show as I come on stage, okay? So that was my entire sound check. They always ask about the lights and the sound and this sort of stuff, and the, the truth is I don't know and I don't care, okay? Point the light at me and have the microphone fucking loud because I'm about to tear the paint off the walls, my friend, okay? So I just want to have a quick sound check. Then go get some dinner before the Thursday show. And Sydney are my biggest shows of the year. So I was, you know, I was prepared to the gills. I was fucking nervous, the whole deal. Anyway, the guy who runs the factory theater comes over. He goes, Bill, I just need to have a word with you before you go. And he was like pretty serious. I was like, what the hell? And he's an absolute legend, this bloke. So I go, all right, what's up? He goes, he goes, mate, I've, I've hired extra security for your shows because uh, last year was just too out of control. And I thought he was joking and then he was like, this, he, in, then he brings the guy over. So, how's this? <laughs> so, I had my own security guard for Thursday and Friday in my shows because of last year. <laughs> okay? So, to the blokes who came to Rift City last year and were doing coke at the factory with the door open of the disabled bathroom. <laughs> this is your fault, lads. Okay? To the bloke who offered me dexies at the Friday show at last year's Sydney Comedy Festival. You know, this is is where we're at now with my shows in Sydney because last year they were pretty out of control at times. But it was a Thursday night show. I said, mate, it's a fucking weeknight. This will be fine. Don't worry about it. But anyway, I met this guy. It was pretty cool having my own security guard. His name was Lucas and he weighed about 140 kilos and I could tell this guy didn't fuck around. So, you know, if anything... On the Thursday night, I never thought anything was going to happen. Anyway, it's a goddamn weeknight. People that see me, you're not animals. You just you're just loose cannons. But so I walk. Uh, I almost wanted something to happen in the show, uh, just so I could be like Lucas, get him, and just have Lucas fuck some guy up. You know. In the end, I gotta say the Thursday night crowd was probably the most lovely crowd I've ever had. <laughs> no one interrupted me once i don't think and everyone was just an absolute dream and i they hired a security guard for it it felt like overkill but anyway but then the friday show i said lucas mate this is where you're going to earn your money okay because these blokes are absolutely out to lunch and uh you know i'm not afraid to engage okay because the way (laughs) during the security briefing i got on the thursday the guy said if you need Lucas to kick someone out, he can kick out maybe one person or two, but if he's in a group or six or seven, we don't want Lucas involved in a violent incident. So make sure you don't escalate the situation. I said, fucking hell, like <laughs> I'm not Motley Crue, okay? There's not going to be like a death pit open up at the front of the show. Poor Lucas is just getting ragdolled by ravenous stand-up comedy fans. Like I'm I said, I'm sure it's gonna be okay. So it's <laughs> Both shows were completely fine. Friday was like fucking loose, obviously, because people were blind, but it was honestly fine. Yeah, it was, it was a great show Friday. Pat the Snake opened up for me. He did a great job. As always, he came out to a chorus of hissing and boos. And if Pat didn't want to be hissed at, maybe he shouldn't be a snake dipped in oil at all times you know if he carried himself like a human we could treat him accordingly but until then he's going to continue to get hissed at like the reptile that he is so pat opened friday rowan opened thursday two great shows thanks to everyone who came big session afterwards on friday um yeah a few issues here firstly pat doherty this guy he's like some sort of a mythical creature pat doherty he's a man about town so we go to the Vic on the Park after the show. And it was absolutely, I love this pub. I absolutely love this pub. So we go there after the show, live band cranking. Me and Pat are just straight in there having a great time. The lead singer of this band literally goes in between songs. He goes, holy shit, it's Pat Doherty. <laughs> he recognizes Pat. Apparently they're like boys or some shit. Next thing you know, Pat's on stage at this music gig. There's just a band playing to, like, a packed house. Now Pat's on stage riffing it up. This guy, you cannot take Pat anywhere. I'm telling you. I've never met a guy who's more, like, locally famous in all of my life. So Pat's on stage. I'm not. You know, we're getting blind as bats. It's pretty good times. i got to put my hand up, you know. I haven't been getting as blind recently because I've just been out and about doing stand-up on the weekends. Um. And I've had stuff on, you know. But great to be back in the mix. Um, i got to put my hand up for one of the all-time blunders here. You know, I don't know. Embarrassing stuff. I was making out with this chick for about two minutes straight. I know because one of the lads sent me a video of it in the beer garden. And just real embarrassing behavior. Like fucking... I don't know if you've ever seen... You know, like some 19-year-olds at, a, at an 18th. That was the energy. I was just horrendous. And also... Making out like in like a walkway, (laughs) like not even in like the corner of the beer garden. I'm saying like standing up in like a thoroughfare. I'm telling you, Pelican of the Week, yours truly. It was so embarrassing. Obviously, the next morning I received about three videos of me making out with this, this girl and just absolute pelican behavior, dude. So, great to be back in the mix. Great to be making a fool of myself as per... God, I regret that so much. I don't regret making out with this woman, obviously. God bless her, you know. But God, I regret uh, doing it in full view of the lads for upwards of three minutes while people sort of carried trays of drinks around us. And I didn't notice them because I was involved in said make-out session. So truly embarrassing stuff. Um, I'd like to give out a quick shout-out to my mate Brocky, who was supposed to leave after the show. He actually drove... He then gave his keys to one of the lads, was out till 4 a.m. with soccer the next day, okay, Premier League soccer the next day. And he was out till 4 a.m., got the bus home, fell asleep on the bus, had to be picked up by his missus from the bus depot at 7 a.m. on the day, Saturday, with kickoff looming in about four hours. The guy's absolutely out to lunch, and then bam, soccer was cancelled. So I think that just goes to show when you put when you freaking take it to Friday night okay and give it your all the universe will fall into place you know the universe will sort of sort of bend around you much as the patrons coming back from the bar bend it around me and the, and this woman on Friday night okay so I'm a pelican brocky's a legend sensational night I can't even think of anything else really off the top of my head that happened because the, well, the next morning, I just saw, immediately was sent this video of me making out with this chick and was just, and then I think I just went into full-blown sort of trauma mode and tried to black out the rest of the night to avoid any more sort of school dance style make-out videos of yours truly coming out. I mean, just, Jesus fucking Christ, Bill. What are you doing? (laughs) It's Oh, God. Oh, my God. I have... I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, cracking night, dude. I had the fucking sickest time ever, though. I'll tell you that. And if if no one filmed me making out with that girl, I mean, I tell you what, it's pretty much as good as nights could go, really. So God bless, you know? Thanks to everyone who came to the shows. I fucking loved it. It was the best night ever. So thanking you. And I filmed both shows. So hopefully should be releasing some clips in the coming months. Okay, so up next, we got some fun fears that people have uh, messaged me in the last couple of weeks. So love it. Here we go. And I got to say, this week's are particularly good. Okay, I don't want to sort of, I don't want to hype up the segment before it even begins. That will be foolish. Uh, but, you know, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say these ones are particularly good. So this is a big one. Kicking or passing a ball with a bloke you don't know. Now this is a massive fun fear because you think you're just passing or kicking a ball. Maybe you're doing both if you're feeling particularly adventurous. But when you're doing it with someone you don't know that well, what it, it what it really is below the surface is a subtle battle for supremacy, okay? But it's really just every pass, every kick, we are just inching towards finding out who the alpha male of this situation truly is? Okay, you know you're trying to work out: is this guy? do this guy play representative footy? What am I doing? You know how? Oh, he's he's passed that one harder. Maybe I'll pass it not quite as hard. You know, maybe I'll I'll do a around the back just to show him that I don't even care about this battle for supremacy, dude. But then next one, I'm going to try my hardest to remind him that hey, I fucking do actually care about this a lot. Okay. And so there's this there's this undercurrent and it's never spoken never ever spoken but you but at the same time you don't want to, you definitely don't want to lose the battle okay because then when you go back inside to the party or what have you that bloke he's going to take that energy that he knows that in a sporting situation he's got you covered okay and that's something we cannot risk okay but at the same time you don't want to risk trying too hard, you know, you're freaking having a beer chucking a footy. You don't want to start sprinting around trying your best, getting all sweaty, looking like you're trying out for the under sevens rep team. That's equally as embarrassing. Okay? You don't wanna you don't want to lose or even acknowledge the battle in any way. And best case scenario, you win the battle while also seeming completely disinterested in the very concept of passing said footy that's that's the less interested you look the more alpha it's going to come off okay i like to you know if i'm passing the footy with some bloke i like to strike up a conversation with someone who's just standing nearby they're not even involved in the thing and and just talk about whatever you know talk about your tax return from the previous year you know talk about the the future of the of the liberal party you know talk about anything Just don't even catch the ball. Don't even look at it, you know? Be surprised when the ball comes back to you. Be like, oh, okay. You know? Look uninterested. Don't care. That's how you win, okay? Maybe even pepper in that you've got a bit of an injury. Just be like, you know, throw this guy some absolute bullet pass. I'm talking a fucking laser beam. And then be like, oh, geez, that's that's the old shoulder injury from 2014. Oh, that doesn't feel too good, you know? Act stiff and disinterested, even though you're out the back warming up 10 minutes ago because you knew this subtle battle was heading your way, okay? So look disinterested and never, ever acknowledge the battle. That's the key. You must win without acknowledging it, okay? Because you don't have to. Everyone else will know. There'll be a shift in energy when you return to the party. Everyone else will know who won, okay? So don't mention it. But that is a great fun for you. That is, that is a, a very tricky situation that a lot of blokes find themselves in. So sensational fun for you. Next fun fear, I like this one too, getting stuck on a pedestrian island or a median strip, you know in between a lot of traffic. That's a fun fear because now you've got people driving past you either way. yeah and they're thinking you don't know how to make good decisions. They're thinking the sort of bloke who would freaking only make it to the median strip and get stuck there. He's a sort There's no way this bloke has a house or a girlfriend or a strong self image. You know, people are thinking all sorts of things as they drive past you at 110Ks an hour. Okay? Now, the trick with getting stuck on a median strip is again, look cool, look disinterested. Don't acknowledge the fact you got six bags of shopping on a full-blown highway you got buses doing 110 either side of you don't look freaked out have your sunnies on you know send a text god call call up your auntie catch up ask about how your cousins are going do your taxes do anything okay look cool do not show fear whatever you do or that's that's going to be reflected in the speed at which people drive past you Okay, if you look freaked out, people are just going to speed up and hope to clip you. Okay, that's just the world we live in. So, you know, the trick with the median strip, because I'll put my hand up. You get stuck on a tiny, thin median strip with cars doing 90Ks an hour either side of you. It's uncomfortable. Okay, I don't like it and neither should you. Okay, but don't ever let that fear permeate onto the road. I honestly have a theory that the the more scared you are, the more cars that are going to come. You ever see some guy who's not scared at all? They seem to just drift across full-blown traffic like everyone's getting out of their way. You know, your attitude creates this situation. So, don't show any fear on the median strip. Otherwise, you will be in trouble. Okay? Next fun fear. This is also a particularly good one. When you're at someone's house and you go to use the bathroom and there's no lock on it. Firstly, having locks on your bathroom door should be mandatory. There should be some sort of a law in place, okay? Until China invades and we bow to full-blown communism, every Australian worth their salt should have a lock on their bathroom, okay? Uh, It's a weird one because you don't have a lock, that's fine. But if your nan walks in on me doing something un- ungodly on the, on the toilet, we're going to have a situation, you know? You're going to serve up chili con carne for dinner and then follow that up with a no-bathroom lock combination and have your freaking, you know, your poor nan post-dinner with, you know, dementia and all sorts of stuff flying around her dome, walking around in a house with no lock on the bathroom. This is a recipe for disaster. And as a guest, I don't feel safe, okay? So... And here's the other thing. If you're not going to think to put a lock on your bathroom, you're probably not going to think to knock on the door either. I mean, these are just godless heathens in my books. People that don't have a lock on their bathroom. And then here's the thing. If I'm using the bathroom in your house, that's my time to regroup. You know, that's my time to think, how am I, how am I going socially? Nan loves me, but she thinks I'm her dead husband. Work on that. This bloke's sister is is sort of a bit of a weirdo. Maybe, I don't know. We we can work on that. You know, this is my time to socially regroup and come back out into the social arena with the shoulders back, ready to go, okay? Whereas if there's no lock on the door, all I'm thinking is fucking whoever comes through, swing first, ask questions later. I'd rather uh, accidentally assault one of your family members than have them see me destroying your family toilet okay i don't think that's too much to ask you're creating undue stress and it could all be it could all be avoided with a freaking four dollar fifty lock from bunnings warehouse so sort it out now last fun fear, and this is a good one too asking someone to repeat themselves for the third time okay This is, make no mistake, fucking terrifying. Okay, And I think a big problem a lot of us have is we take those first two times for granted. I would say honestly, people say something to me for the first time, 90% of the time I'm thinking about what I'm about to say and how much better it is than whatever you just said. Then they go in on the second time, I'm hitting that with the energy of, of my first time when they've already slipped one past me. So then they say it for the second time. Maybe it's loud. Maybe they don't speak the best in glares. Maybe they're a soft speaker. You know, maybe the acoustics are shithouse. For whatever reason, you miss the second time. And now, through your own carelessness, through your own ego, now we're at the pointy end of things because that third time is make or break, okay? There's no, there's no second chances. This is elimination football gentlemen okay so you better you better lean in you better strain that ear of yours like it owes you money because this is it if you don't get it on the third time you just have to leave okay you just have to leave you could it's so uncomfortable because here's the thing i'm pretty sure it's illegal in most states except for Queensland to ask someone to repeat themselves for a fourth time okay if you, if you want a freaking late-term abortion or you want to ask someone to repeat themselves for the fourth time, do not go to Queensland because they don't fuck around with either of those things up there, okay? So I think the key is not taking the first two times for granted. When someone's talking to you, switch on, okay? Switch on because if you get to the third time and you miss it, now we're in a world of trouble. We're in a world of trouble, Okay? And also, if I'm on the third go and I know that I've not even caught the first two, like I can't even understand them, get ready to apologize like you just slept with this bloke's wife because I'm telling you, there's nothing more uncomfortable. I remember years ago, I had this Indian boss, you know, God, God bless him, his English wasn't great and he was also a bit of a soft speaker. And I remember the first two times this guy said, he's asked me a question. I was working at Domino's at the time. I was like 15 as well. So so I'm also shitting myself that the boss is even looking me in the eye. And he's asked me a question and I didn't, like, I wouldn't even be able to ballpark what he might be talking about. Okay. Then the second time, I'm like, I'm so sorry. What, just one more time. And the third time, I literally just go like, I'm thinking, Like, I don't even know what he's alluding to, let alone... And he's asking me to do something. So, I was like, freaking hell. Like, it kind of fucked up my Domino's career. I was fired weeks later. Um, He said for incompetence and, you know, a myriad of other reasons. But I think if if he was being honest with me, that interaction sent us on a path to me being fired. Um, Because I think if me and him could communicate more easily... Or if I could have understood him a bit better, he would have been able to overlook that incompetence a lot a lot easier. So it, it does have real-world consequences, this fun fear. So be careful out there. Okay, just to finish up the podcast now, we have my new segment, The Project. At the end of each episode, I'm highlighting some Aussie talent in some way just to shine a bit of light on some of the absolute legends that are getting stuff done in this nation. So, a bit of an update on who we've had already and how they're going. We had Aussie boxer Sky Nicholson. She she won her fight and she's fighting again in a couple of weeks. Hopefully going 4-0. Oh. Go, Sky! So, then we had comedian Luke Heggie. He actually played the Enmore Theatre last week in Sydney, which holds like 1,600 people. So, fucking come on, Heggie. Then we had Paul Gallen, who lost his fight pretty handsomely. And now has more... uh, He has enough CTE to buy a home. I think that's how much CTE that bloke has. I think that bloke has so much CTE, the Commonwealth Bank now recognises it as currency. So, God bless Paul Gallen. And then last week, I spoke about the late, great Andrew Simons, who is unfortunately still dead. So, that is a shattering truth. I thought maybe Andrew Simons was going to come back with white dreadlocks in some sort of a Gandalf-type scenario. But... Not to be, unfortunately, the great man is really gone. So that's who we've had on so far. Um, And if you missed last week's episode, I did do quite a lengthy tribute uh, to the great man, Andrew Simons, which, you know, if you're a cricket fan, get into that. So anyway, this week, I just finished a book by an Australian comedian and author, Becky Lucas. And I love Becky. She was one of my favorite stand-ups when I first started. Still is. And, you know, I've pretty much never spoken about a book on this podcast because I don't read that much. So, I thought this would be a good time to actually talk about one and fucking recommend it. This book, it's called Acknowledgements by Becky Lucas. And it is so fucking funny, dude. This book is literally hilarious. And it's such an easy read. Every chapter is just a new story from her life. And it's called Acknowledgements. Basically, every chapter, uh, she thanks someone and then sort of just tells a story about them and why she's thanking them. So it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I thought, rather than just talking about it, I thought I might just read an excerpt from it. Um, and then you can you can buy it if you like. So here we go. I don't know. I've never read a book on the podcast before. But I thought, this is better than me just telling you it's good. Let me just show you that it is fucking funny. Here we go. This chapter, Becky and her friend Sophie are in Croatia. So I hope hope this translates to the podcast. But here we go. Live reading. This is... (laughs) Here we go. I feel like a school teacher or something. But anyway, so here we go. Sophie and I didn't really know what we were doing, but we did like to drink. So one afternoon in Croatia, we found a bar and sat down with the intention of drinking at least five standard drinks each. The downstairs section was a busy restaurant and upstairs was a large outdoor courtyard. We made our way to the courtyard and found ourselves a table close to the stairs. Shortly after we'd sat down, two middle-aged couples asked to join us. The only thing I can remember about one of the couples was the woman had the attitude of an ex-flight attendant who couldn't be bothered smiling politely anymore. But the other of the couple, whom we spoke to most, were very chatty and engaging. Not to mention that after travelling with one person for a few months, it doesn't take much to lock in on some new social stimulus. I distinctly remember feeling quite adult in that moment, drinking beers with a couple of middle-aged people, going round for round and pulling it off. The wife in the more interesting couple seemed very nice, in a manager of Terminal 2 kind of way. She was inoffensive and warm and seemed to take us seriously, so we instantly liked her. Her husband was a real estate agent and that checked out completely. His conversation felt more like a one-man show that he'd performed and perfected in that it didn't require much of our input at all. I don't mind that type of person. It can be relaxing to let them orate or- or to the group while you sit back and chime in when you feel like it, often scoring an easy laugh off all their hard work. He sat with perfect posture, which is one of my more unpopular pet hates. I often slouch as a way to show people I've just met that I don't think I'm that good. I know it's wrong, virgin or insane, to be annoyed by something that's genuinely better for people's health. But there's just something so grating to me about someone who doesn't have the humility to slouch, even just a little bit at first meeting. His wife didn't talk as much as he did and instead alternated between surpassing eye rolls every time he used a word that he'd clearly just learnt, reminding him that he was sitting near the top of the stairs and to stop moving around so much. Then giving us serious side eye every time he lectured us on the benefits of travelling. Almost every person who has told me how traveling made them a better person has proved themselves to be an utter dud. Obviously, I agree that getting more life experience under your belt will help you become a more well-rounded person or an extremely effective psychopath. But the idea that travel in and of itself is the best way to do it seems flawed. I suspect the people who traveled back when it was less of a done thing learnt a lot about themselves, as they would have been forced to meet and interact with completely different people just to do simple things like catch a bus. But nowadays, with all the apps at people's fingertips and the tour groups that schedule you down to the minute, the only lesson people seem to learn from traveling is how to say, do you have a phone charger in Spanish? And don't get me started of people who post pictures of their boarding pass next to their glass of champagne on social media. What a lame ode to the dull process of traveling. What's next? Posting pictures of your driver's license or a medical certificate that states you are carrying your EpiPen? (laughs) As the night wore on, this man continued to completely disprove his point about people bettering themselves by travelling by saying things like, the world is a book and those who don't travel only read a page while intermittently disappearing into the bathroom to do lines of coke. Meanwhile, the rest of us committed to getting as drunk as possible. At one point, sensing the conversation was heading in a direction that didn't involve him, he once again impressed upon me and Sophie the importance of travelling, claiming, as his chair edged closer and closer to the top of the stairs that just this year he'd been to Spain, to Rome, to London and then bang, in a burst of coke induced enthusiasm this man disappeared mid-sentence down an entire flight of stairs. I caught a glimpse of his manic face as he went down and then in that brief moment he showed so, so much vulnerability for the first time that night I found myself liking him for the first time. He and his chair rocketed to the bottom of the stairs and slid along the restru- restaurant floor coming to a slow stop beside a big family eating an early dinner. Waiters ran to his aid and he angrily shooed them away like his fall was their fault. He wiggled out of the chair with some difficulty, jumped up and ran back up the stairs, chair in hand, perhaps thinking the quicker he returned to us, the less chance we had of noticing that he'd fallen down an entire flight of stairs. He settled back into the group, refusing the sympathies of the other couple and his wife. Then, without missing a beat, he continued listing the places he'd travelled to that year. Then he insisted once again that we simply had to travel. I remember thinking that if I were to give him advice, it would simply be to not fall down a flight of stairs (laughs) mid-story. Oh, fuck it, Oath, dude. So that's just an excerpt. I hope you liked it. It's called Acknowledgements by Becky Lucas. Such an easy book to read. I absolutely tore through this thing in about four days. And every chapter is about, you know, seven to ten pages of just a hilarious yarn from her life. Can't recommend it enough. Fantastic Australian comedian and now author. Fuck yeah, dude. So that's the project for this week. And Becky Lucas also tours each year doing stand-up. That is also phenomenal. So check it out if you like. I don't know how a live reading came across on the pod, but I hope I did the book justice (laughs) because I found that to be an extremely uncomfortable experience. But anyway, that is the podcast for this week. Thanks for listening. As I said, I've got shows June 17, 18, 19 in Perth, Adelaide, and Canberra, and I would love to see you there. And you can get those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio. So other than that, dude, thanks for listening. Wait too long, wait too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, i way too long.